It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in Wisconsin and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how the Athletics Arif Hassan is on the show today to talk about the Minnesota Vikings. I figured yet again, you do not need a depth chart refresher on the Vikings. We do not need to talk about their personnel. And because of the schedule, normally on a Wednesday yesterday, the the injury report would have come out. But because the the Packers play on Monday night, Thursday is basically a Wednesday, and that's the first day we start to get a feel for who's practicing and who's not. So while Adam Schefter has reported Dalvin Cook is not likely to play the rest of the regular season, Mike Zimmer has said he will play. We don't know if his backup, Alexander Madison, can play yet either, and that is a big part of this offense. Obviously, the run game keys everything Minnesota does, much like it does for Green Bay. We're going to talk about that with Arif a little bit later. Before we get there, though, I want to talk about something that I don't think has really been discussed that much. And and the Vikings have flown under the radar a little bit this season because in their primetime games, they haven't really performed well. They don't have a signature win. It looked like it was going to be beating Dallas when Dallas was, I think it was 5-3. and three. But now... The NFC East is a slap fight to the finish, and neither of those teams even looks likely to be, you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna win nine games probably. Certainly no one can get to ten. So it's gonna be a bad division. Beating the Eagles early in the season looked like a much better win. Beating the Falcons early in the season for Minnesota looked like a much better win. In fact, they have yet to win a game over a team who is 500 or better at this point in the season. Now, if you go back and look in the first half of the year, yeah, they beat the Cowboys when they were above 500. I mean, there were some teams that they beat, and you can say, oh, well, if if Minnesota hadn't beat them, they'd, they'd have a better record. That's true. That's true. But none of them would take that single loss and go from at 500 to above 500. In fact, when you look at the good teams they've played, the teams who are going to be in the playoffs and have an above 500 record, There's three of them, the Packers, the Seahawks, and the Chiefs. Now, all three are road games, but they also lost to the Chiefs with Matt Moore, a team Green Bay beat in Kansas City. And the Vikings lost to Chase Daniel. This coming off now, the Packers sweep of the Chicago Bears, and they have the Bears in Week 17, not even a lock. They beat Mitch Trubisky and the Bears next week. 
Now, I don't want to downplay how good I think this Vikings team is. I said yesterday on the show, I think they might just be a flat-out better team than Green Bay. I don't I don't know. I said I think. And the reason I think that is not the, the 500 record against teams with a winning record, whatever, whatever. They looked better against Seattle than I think Green Bay would in Seattle, given what happened. Now, that was a closer game than it really, um, the score indicated. And yet, in a lot of ways, it was a game that Seattle really controlled from start to finish. Minnesota beat up a Chargers team that beat up Green Bay. And so I think there's plenty, and, and games that Green Bay won, you know, the Eagles, for example, Minnesota wins that game convincingly, and and Green Bay lost that game. So there, there's these rejoinders that you can offer in defending the Vikings. I think the Vikings are a talented team. I think the Vikings are an explosive team. I think Kirk Cousins' season has been underrated. Green Bay has has yet to win in U.S. Bank Stadium, and Kirk Cousins has yet to win on Monday night. So something has got to give on Monday. Kirk Cousins winless in his career on Monday night. So we did this against San Francisco, and so I don't I don't want to overplay the importance of this because San Francisco at the time didn't really have any quality wins, and I mean they they probably have the best win in the league now the the New Orleans win unless you count Atlanta going into San Francisco and beating the 49ers last week, which, you know, if you do, absolutely. I mean, I think that that is in the running. But if we're going to compare resumes, Green Bay has done better against good teams. That is not proof that Green Bay is better. It is not proof that Green Bay is going to go into Minnesota and win a football game against the Vikings, a team who is fighting for its playoff lives. Now, it is the case that if St. Louis formerly St. Louis, if the Rams lose to the 49ers on Sunday, by Monday, Minnesota is clinched. They're in. doesn't matter what happens after that. And for the Green Bay Packers, it doesn't matter if they beat Minnesota in Minnesota anyway when it comes to winning the NFC North. Green Bay can win the NFC North without beating the Vikings. All they have to do is beat the Detroit Lions. And we found out this week Matthew Stafford is on IR, along with like half their starters. So that is a game that you expect to win if you're Green Bay. This game for the Packers, it doesn't mean that much, and it might not mean that much for the Vikings if the Rams lose. Now, does that affect the outcome of the game? We'll see. Does that affect intensity? We'll see. It does matter for Green Bay in this way. They are very unlikely to be the two seed very unlikely to get a first-round bye if they lose this game. So they, are, they still have something to play for in terms of playoff seeding. But we have seen often over the course of, of history, not just Packers, but NFL, that when teams are in the playoffs, they worry less about seeding and future opponents than we do. Fans, media, observers, analysts, bettors. We, we expect the teams to care more. It's just part of it is a human nature thing. And part of it is, you know, in, football is such an intense game that if you don't have that motivation to be intense because the game doesn't mean much to you, it's a little harder to get up. Green Bay has that incentive because they still have the, the two seat out in front of them. So if you're going to argue either one, okay, the Rams, they lose on Sunday, Minnesota's in. Okay, well, Green Bay's already in. So then it's, are we going to have an argument over who wants it less? I mean, I don't think that that stuff really matters, but it is just something worth noting that Minnesota could be in, and this is is a game that could be replayed in two weeks. 
that if Green Bay is the three seed, Minnesota is almost assuredly the six. Although, if San Francisco goes to Seattle and they finish 12 and four and Minnesota finishes and Seattle finishes 12 and four, Seattle is the the first round by team if it's not Green Bay. So if Green Bay, Seattle, and New Orleans all finish 12 and four, then Green Bay is the three and they have to play San Francisco. They would have to host the 49ers as the three six. Ideally, you just go to Minnesota and win. I mean, that is the way you deal with all of this. When when the Packers went to San Francisco, Aaron Rodgers said, we're probably going to have to beat them at their place once this year. Well, that turns out it might not be true because if the 49ers lose, then you could be hosting them. But more to the point, you're probably going to have to beat the Vikings at some point. Same as the 49ers, or at least that's what it seemed at the time. You'd rather beat them now. Because beating them now would mean keeping yourself alive for 13-3, and three, keeping yourself alive for the two seed, and you're, you're certainly not going to face them in the first round if you get the two seed because you're not facing anybody. But then they have to go to New Orleans and try and win a game. New Orleans is very good. I think New Orleans is better than Minnesota. So you're probably eliminating the chance that you see this team again. You can beat them now or you can beat them later. I know what my vote is. Before we get to Arif, if you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcasts for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live and Peter underscore Bukowski. That's my, you can do that on Twitter or Instagram, and we will share and retweet. The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one-two punch to keep your one-two punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. Matt Williamson brings the scouts perspective to the locked on NFL podcast. You got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah, I just want to throw a couple nuggets out on Allen, and I know he's a lot bigger, a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted 
And he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws. But his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get to Arif Hassan. He covers the Vikings for The Athletic. If you're not a subscriber, I highly recommend that you be one. Uh, Not just Arif, but Ben Fennell, Jason Wildey, Bob McGinn now on the Packers coverage. A ton of great Bucks coverage. Eric Name is awesome. One of the best NBA writers out there. Every time he writes about Giannis, it's a must read. You can read Arif's stuff there. You can also follow him on Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL. Arif, thanks for coming back on Locked on Packers. Yeah, no problem. Glad to be on. The the Minnesota Vikings have had a little bit of a weird season, but I think it's it's been impressive in an under-the-radar kind of way. Why do you think, I mean, I guess I can just ask it this way, why do you think that is? Why do you think it, it seems like, at the very least to me, from my vantage point, that, that they're having a great season and a lot of people don't seem to notice? Well, it's interesting. I think, you know, there's been kind of a, a bugaboo about the Vikings and primetime games, which is independent mm. of the bugaboo for Kirk Cousins in primetime games, uh, <laughs> both of which seem to, you know, they, they seem to kind of wither under the lights. Uh, and, you know, their, their last primetime game was against the Seahawks. They didn't look all that great. But, you know, like you said, they're having a great season. They're fourth in point differential. Obviously, they're they're deep into the playoff hunt. It would take uh, a catastrophic failure on their part and some interesting successes somewhere else for them to not make the playoffs at this point, which, given the Vikings' history, is not, you know, outside of the realm of possibility, <laughs> but but certainly looks like they're they're a playoff team in just a stacked NFC. Um, but yeah, I think that their, their, their biggest moments of potential exposure, uh, you know, they, they just haven't looked as, as fantastic, but, you know, obviously... You know, here in the Minnesota market, and I imagine for a lot of people in the Wisconsin market, you know, being able to see the Vikings week in, week out, uh, they have been really excellent, and and surprisingly, they're an offensive team. So uh, I think that might be part of it too, is that you don't get to talk about the defensive dominance of Mike Zimmer, and I have to talk about, you know, Kirk Cousins, great. Well, and and I think part of that goes into your point about the reputation of Kirk Cousins. It's sort of like, well, we know Kirk Cousins can be good in the regular season. But in big games, he has a reputation of not of not coming through. And in the playoffs, maybe that that is contributing. I want to ask about the defense because it seems like Hunter, Griffin, I mean, the front with with Kendricks, they're still playing really well. So is this just a matter of the secondary falling off in ways that we didn't foresee? I mean, Xavier Rhodes has been a, a mess this year. Yeah, the secondary, but really just specifically the cornerbacks. I mean, yeah. there's really only two weak spots on that defense. It's the defensive tackle spot right next to Linval Joseph. They don't have a three-tech there. And the cornerbacks. And actually, the slot corner is fine. I mean, Mackenzie Alexander didn't have a great game last week, but he's had a, a really good season. It's it's Trey Waynes and, like you said, Xavier Rhodes that have been huge disappointments. And then Mike Hughes, the first-round pick from two years ago, uh, you know, he's come in, he's played, I think, better than than the two of them, but he's also had some pretty bad games uh, and a really bad game against Amari Cooper when he was playing in, in place of, of Trey Wayne. So they just haven't had the kind of consistency at that outside cornerback position, in part because Rhodes keeps on, you know, having to miss time because of injury, but also just because he's playing very poorly, independent of that. Wayne isn't, you know, playing up to his 2017 standard. Uh, and, and that first round pick hasn't really been paying them back quite yet. Although I think there's a lot of potential there. 
potential is not really the same as productivity on the field. And so they're getting a ton of pressure from their defensive ends. Daniel Hunter, uh, the fastest player to, you know, hit 50 sacks, uh, just named the Pro Bowl. Everson Griffin had a really strong case uh, for Pro Bowl, although I'm not going to say that, you know, he got snubbed or anything. I think that the the decisions there were fine. He certainly had a case. Uh, Eric Hendricks, I think, you know, PFF has been saying, you know, he actually has a case for Defensive Player of the Year, although I think we both know that's going to go to Stephon Gilmore. Uh, but he's been playing the best football of his career. Anthony Barr's playing fine. Harrison Smith is playing at a really high level. Anthony Harris is possibly even better than Harrison Smith right now. Just an incredible group, right? Linval Joseph is playing well. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's not like it's not paying off. I mean, they're a top 11, top 12, possibly top 10 defense by by a number of defensive measures. But, you know, that's it's not the same. You know, they, they set a record for the best third down defense ever in the history of the NFL two years ago. And they had the number one third down defense last year. And now it's about 10th. You know, they were they were first in points in 2017, second in points uh, in 2018 uh, or maybe third after, you know, the Bears and the Ravens after a rough start. So um, it really is just about those quarterbacks. And I think it, it kind of gives weight to what PFF has been saying about how cornerbacks matter more than pass rushers because mm-hmm. the Vikings pass rushers are excellent. They're doing excellently. They're both Pro Bowl quality players. And the Vikings are, you know, kind of a, a tepid defense. The Packers are the exact same way. Zadarius Smith is a Pro Bowl alternate. I think he should have he should have been a starter, but that's again neither here nor there. Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, and yet because they've had inconsistencies on the back end, they have not been uh, the kind of defense that maybe their talent suggests they should be. I was thinking about this the other day. Cincinnati invested incredible amounts of draft capital at corner, first-round pick after first-round pick, and never quite was able to put it together. That trend continues. Minnesota has has done the same thing. It, what, what is it about Mike Zimmer's defense that that they can't <laughs> get these guys to play well? Because plenty of them have talent. Yeah, well... It, it's only been kind of recently that that that, that strategy hasn't really worked out for them because right. they've gotten you know really excellent uh, you know cornerback play over the over the past couple of years. But yeah, sure. I, I think one of the issues is you know the the phrase you know cornerback play is the most important element of a defense is independent from the from the question of whether or not it makes sense to invest in a cornerback because they're also the most difficult position. Uh, to evaluate, it turns out, and not because you know we're we're blind to kind of what's happening or we don't have access to the all twenty two. Because I mean, it's true for the NFL too. Is that the performance from year to year tends to vary a lot? And if that's the case, taking a look at someone's senior year coming out of college and translating that to the NFL, mm-hmm. you know, if they vary more than any other position on defense, and they're the most important. I can't imagine taking a look at one year of college, you know, in a different league, a different environment, has to do different things. That translating to the NFL, that's got to be so tough. So scouting that position has got to be just the, the the most difficult position to scout on the defensive side of the ball. So I think that's part of it, um, which is not to say you shouldn't invest like first-round picks and stuff like that, but right. uh, it, it really complicates that question. And I think the other part of it is uh, the reason Zimmer's defenses do really well I mean, obviously, it's a tremendously talented defense, and he's hired really excellent position coaches kind of across the the group. So I'm not going to say talent doesn't matter, you know, which was a debate on Twitter a couple weeks ago, uh, but that he consistently generates schematic advantages that really advantage those corners, and they keep getting, just like everything else in the NFL, they keep getting solved, and he has to invent new ones. 
and he yeah. does it, and he's really good at it, and he's done, he's done it at least three or four times where the Vikings have had a different kind of fundamental core to their defense, and it's worked. Uh, but but sometimes it doesn't, and this is, I guess you would call it a down year for that. On the other side of the ball, early in the season and for a lot of last year, offensive line was a huge problem, and Kirk Cousins was getting battered around. We think back to week two in Green Bay's front even though I think it's just one sack in that game, got a lot of pressure. Uh, they, they forced some off-target throws. We saw in the Bears game early in the year, the, the Vikings offensive line struggled. But it seems like they've coalesced a little bit. What what has changed about their play other than they're simply playing better? Or is it really that simple? Uh, I, I, I don't think they've been playing better is the thing. You're right. The mm. pressure rate has dropped really dramatically. Uh, against Green Bay is the most pressure that Cousins had ever seen this year, I think, in a Vikings uniform, actually. 60% pressure rate by PFF. Uh, the Bears game which was is actually unbelievable. Pretty, yeah, which is insane, right? <laughs> you never see that. Uh, the, the, the Bears uh, had, had a lot of pressure against Cousins as well, uh, above 40%, which is, you know, a pretty rough threshold for a bad day. Um, and, uh, and, and since then the pressure rate has kind of just dropped, you know, he's had some games where there's a lot more pressure and stuff like that. And he's actually performed well in some of those instances, but never like those, those, uh, those two weeks out of the first four weeks of the season. Um, I think a lot of it is schematic. Uh, the, I mean, Brian O'Neill is playing really well. I don't want to take that away from him. He's certainly an above average tackle, a uh, really good case to be kind of a, a top five right tackle in the NFL right now, which is, uh, I think a, a pretty great, uh, return on that investment. Riley Reef, I think, is playing like an average tackle, which if you want to talk about contract, maybe that's not great. But that's good for a Vikings offensive line that is consistently bad. But that interior has been playing really poorly, particularly the rookie Garrett Bradbury and uh, the center that they moved to guard, Pat Elfline. Um, and and they, they haven't really, they've had a couple of good games each, and that's it. And they've, then they've regressed. They've all played pretty poorly. But the the scheme allows them to you know a lot, there's a lot of play action it's one of the most play action heavy teams in the NFL but more importantly that play action moves them out on bootlegs uh, and so Kirk Cousins has naked production a lot of times but uh, it gives him a bunch of extra room and he's so comfortable in that play action plus unlike most bootlegs it doesn't cut the field in half and so he actually gets to use the whole field and they've been doing it a lot for a lot of these great deep shots on the other side of the field. So I think that's a lot of it is that they, they take pressure off of him with that play action. They, they provide a lot of help in the form of, you know, chips, running backs, tight ends. Uh, and, and there's a lot of short outlet passes uh, that allow him to get rid of the ball quickly. So even though his, his time in the pocket is, is one of the longest in the league, that's a result of the play action, the bootlegs. When those aren't there, when that's not in the play design, when he's not doing a play action, he actually does get rid of the ball fairly quickly. And, and that kind of obviates a lot of pressure, too. So I don't think the offensive line is actually playing all that better. I think the environment in which they're playing is is better for Kirk Cousins. Yeah, and Kenny Clark in Week 2 was a big part of that. I mean, he he demolished Garrett Bradbury and Pat Alfline in that game. And he's playing really well. He, he was awesome last week against Chicago. All right, we're going to get back to a reef in just a second. But before we do... Let's talk about my bookie. It's that time of year. Christmas is coming up quick as we're approaching the 25th, and our friends at my bookie want to make your season special with 12 days of gifts. My bookie is already one of the most trusted and reputable sports books in the industry, and this holiday season, they're getting into the spirit of giving with 12 straight days of giveaways. That's right, 12 days of risk free gifts, a new gift every single day, so you can take your game to the next 
level. They kicked off the promotion on the 14th with a free parlay for UFC. And they'll keep up the gifts through the 25th. Free bets, free spins, futures, and more. While Santa has his list, they've checked off their list, and they've got a little something for everyone, and this promotion is one you won't want to miss. Head over to mybookie.ag right now and use the promo code Locked On to get half off your initial deposit in free wagers, and that's just the start of your savings. Make sure to check back on the site during this promotion because they're going to be giving something new away every day, and you're going to want to take advantage of these deals. So go to mybookie and use the promo code Locked On to start winning today. All right, back to Arif. I want to ask about the running backs because Dalvin Cook, there's now competing reports, or at least there's the report from Adam Schefter that he's unlikely to go in the regular season. Mike Zimmer said that's not true. If if you can offer some sort of insight there, please do. But the, the question that I think uh, may be uh, more interesting is if he can't go, how does that change this offense and this running game? Because the running game with the play-action game is is foundational to what they want to be. Yeah, I mean, Cook was one of the three running backs to to make the Pro Bowl, and and you know when you watch him individually, he's been tremendous. He's you know usually one of the league leaders in elusive rating, right, in terms of you know yards after contact mm-hmm. and broken tackles. Uh, like I said, the offensive line has not been playing very well, and so he's been able to generate a bunch of additional yards uh, that aren't really there. I think a lot of times. Uh, and so it's easy to say, you know, given how important the run is to the way that they design that offense, how much they emphasize it, how much they go to it, uh, that 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 Cook is pretty critical. But then you take a look at the production that they've gotten from Alexander Madison, who was missing last week because of an ankle injury. We'll see kind of how he is uh, for the Packers game. But his production has been just as efficient, even after mm-hmm. you account for things like down and distance and, and players in the box and so on. And then, you know, he was gone and, and Cook left the game because of injury. So they went to Mike Boone there their third or fourth string running back, who knows at that point on the depth chart. Uh, and and he was just as efficient. Um, and, you know, he's the kind of guy that you'd expect to to get a lot of it based off of big plays, but he didn't have a, a run longer than, than 10 yards, and he still had, you know, a pretty high yards per carry. And so uh, then you take a look at Amir Abdullah, you know, former, I think, second-round pick for the Lions. Um, he did really well. And, you know, so, like... I think there's something about kind of the scheme. You know, it's kind of like when Arian Foster went down and Alfred Blue just kind of produced out of nowhere and then Blue went down and then they went to Ben Tate or vice versa, something like that, and they, they produced a lot. I think the scheme does, which is not to say, you know, Foster isn't talented or anything like that. I think Cook is tremendously talented. Foster was tremendously talented. Yep. But I think that the way that they designed that offense with Kubiak uh, and, and, you know, kind of his people designing that run game, it's been really tremendously important. So I think the biggest impact will be, you know, the Packers – didn't bite on play action against the Vikings in week two. Uh, that was clearly an intentional design. Um, Cook ran for seven and a half yards or more per carry. Uh, I think that uh, there's going to be no incentive for them to bite if it's not Cook back there. So I think that's the only difference, and that can be a pretty huge difference. The Vikings only went on play action 11% of the time in that week two matchup, so uh, that was a big part of the reason that you know they weren't very efficient on offense. But I, I, I mean, I think they'll design their way around it. I mean, the offense has just been so excellent, and that was so long ago uh, in NFL terms that, you know, maybe that, that doesn't even play a huge role. So, yeah, I'd like to say that Cook plays a pretty big role and that his absence will be sorely missed, and in a lot of ways it probably will be. But uh, honestly, I mean, the running game just keeps producing without him. So it, maybe it doesn't even have that much of an impact. Yeah, you can even take it back to this with this, you know, schematic philosophy to the Mike Shanahan 
you just like put a backpack there and he's going to rush for a thousand yards. I mean, it's it's the same sort of premise uh, and same sort of idea. So I, to your point, I mean, I think the run game is still going to be good, even if Cook is not back there. Clearly, a more talented back is better. But what is the marginal difference? We don't maybe right. we'll see. I want to finish up here with a, a bit of a bigger picture thought because the the path to a home playoff game for Minnesota is narrow. And I know Green Bay fans are already looking, okay, it could be Minnesota in the 3-6. It could be, there's a very real possibility, it's uh, the, the 49ers in the 3-6. Do you think... Just from from your standpoint, as as uh, you know, an, an analyst, that there would be there would be an advantage for Minnesota to go to Green Bay versus Dallas or Philly. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> um, I I think I think this Green Bay team. I think the, uh, Green Bay is like what eleven wins or eleven and three. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the and and I want to couch this a lot. This is one of the weakest 11-3 teams I've seen in a long time, mm-hmm. which is to still say it's an 11-3 team. It's a very good team, right? So I don't want to um, undersell it too much by by pointing that out. I, I think Green Bay is is a fine matchup for Minnesota, um, but I that doesn't come close to that. I would rather uh, that the Vikings played Dallas on the road than Green Bay at home. Like, I, I just, I don't think that's, a very close matchup, especially the way Dallas has kind of tailed off, you know, whether or not that tail off will, will carry into the playoffs or whatever, or, you know, the Eagles, right. You know, I don't think the Eagles are mm-hmm. playing particularly well either. So I, I think that that's going to matter a lot more home field advantage has diminished over the past couple of years. Um, it's still obviously very important. The Vikings are undefeated at home. Um, so it, it's not as if it, it's, you know, irrelevant, but I just, I think that um, finding a way to play Dallas is, is probably better that said, I don't think that there's going to be any um, impetus for the Vikings to try and manipulate this, especially because you can't predict how it goes, to manipulate the playoff rankings. And technically, there is a path to the number one seed. Uh, I had to mm-hmm. flowchart it out. It's very complicated and convoluted. Yeah. It involves Green Bay somehow losing to Detroit um, and the Seahawks and 49ers tying in Week 17. So uh, that's it. probably not <laughs> happening. But, but uh, you know, I, I think so long as there's, you know, a wish and a prayer, the Vikings are going to, you know, it's an old school coach. He's never going right. to, you know, try and, and take the, the foot off the gas pedal. Let me just throw one last hypothetical at you. Let's say Green Bay wins on Monday, but the Rams lose on Sunday before that. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you see Minnesota with essentially nothing to play for in terms of seeding, say, week 17, you know, this is going to be a backups game? No, I don't think so. Or or rather, I don't think that they're going to play the first half like that. I think they'll be more comfortable taking players out um, at certain points. And the Vikings have demonstrated more comfort with that concept this year than I think uh, any other year. Um, you know, Cook goes out and they put in Madison and, and Cook's not even remotely close to hurt. They're just like, yeah, we got to run this clock out. Um, you know, they, and, and they've been doing that, right? Um but uh, I, I just think that the way Mike Zimmer is wired, he just he can't think like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that they're going to try to play to win. Um, I think that there's like part of him that believes that if you don't kind of go out there with that attitude, it's going to kind of infect your organization. Uh, and given the Vikings kind of remarkable disappointments over the years, whether it's, you know, their, their 5-0 and collapse to miss the playoffs in 2016 or the letdown game against Buffalo – 
uh, last year. I, I think that he's never going to try to miss an opportunity to uh, keep his team like dialed in to win. It's just it's just a, kind of interesting to me that if if Minnesota win or lose, there's more of a chance that they have to play a meaningful game in weeks or that they have less of a chance to play a meaningful game in week 17 than Green Bay, because if Green Bay loses, they have to beat the Lions to win the North. And if Green Bay wins, they have to beat the Lions to get the two seed. So it's just, yeah, it's, it, it's it, you know, it, it's it's, it's remarkable the way the the playoff logic and math works in the final two weeks. And there's no way you can design a system around it. But uh, the way it works in the final two weeks is I, I think it's endlessly fun, but it's crazy. Yeah, I do, too. All right. Ari, this has uh, been great. Let my listeners know where they can find more of the work that you do. Uh, yeah. So you can uh, find me on Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL, where I antagonize everybody. <laughs> um, and you can find my work over at the athletic uh you know slash author slash arif dash hassan uh, my name is kind of funny to spell so i'll spell it out uh, via my twitter handle a-r-i-f-h-a-s-a-n nfl you can find me there i think it's pretty easy to spell as someone who has a, a much more complicated by <laughs> by number of consonants name well i, I just people pretty... you know approach polish people a little bit more often than they approach bengali <laughs> people at least That's in the true. united states yeah I, I... <laughs> Thanks, Arif. Yeah, no problem. All right, I want to thank Arif again for joining the show. Always great to talk to him. And uh, he does he does really great work. So check out The Athletic. I, I can't recommend it enough and and continue to hope that you will support good content uh, with, your, with your dollars because it's important for all of us for the survival of that content, frankly. And, you know, in that, in that spirit, I appreciate you dedicating your time to be a Locked on Packers listener. Uh, we try to do our best especially this time of year. I'm extremely thankful for all of you and, and all of, of the energy that you put into the show that I try to give back. There's a lot of negativity out there and you could feed into it. And for the most part, you guys really don't. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful to have you as an audience and uh, tell a friend, let them know that, that you like the show. I, I always appreciate it. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. That's a great thing for tomorrow when I have our live show on Friday. No injury report at least no official one. If there are things to talk about, we can talk about them, but send me your questions. I've got a bunch of them. Would love to get some more as we look toward Packers Vikings on Monday. So hit me up on Twitter. You can also hit me up on Facebook, like the podcast there. You can leave a review in an iTunes review, leave a question there along with a five-star rating. Remember to follow us, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, Google podcasts, and anytime you want to hit us up on the locked on Packers fan hotline. I'm combing through your your messages right now for tomorrow's show. Hit me up there, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite NHL team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.